Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Four Rivers Smokehouse, for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. Sign up with MyBookie and use our promo code GATORS to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you, Florida Georgia Week. Not as big for Florida as it has been in the past, but going against the number one team in the country. And the rivals, Georgia Bulldogs. So there we go. Hoping for that big upset versus the number one team in the country and the rivals from up north. Game in Jacksonville, neutral site. Get you previewed all up here on Gators Breakdown. My good friends, Robbie Stelton Pole, Spencer Van Horn from a Rich Tradition podcast are going to join me here to preview Georgia. Um, they're a lot like me, uh, have the podcast. But Georgia side uh, of things, they're from up there in Georgia. Uh, Georgia fans can give a lot of insight on Georgia, kind of like you get here uh, on, on Gators Breakdown. So not uh, you're not necessarily the um, normal beat writer side of it. Uh, you'll get uh, a, a different a different take on it. You know, more so, kind of like what you get here uh, from me on Gators Breakdown. So. Good perspective there, and they've been on the show before, uh, of course. So uh, going back and getting those guys back in here to give us a preview of the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. So plenty to get into. We'll get into uh, Georgia from their perspective. We'll talk a little bit of Florida with them as well. Um, just going all over the place. I mean, this is a, this is going to be a deep preview there <laughs> with those two guys. So. And there's a lot to get into with the, with, with the number one team in the country there and what they bring to the table. So uh, it will be probably pretty lengthy <laughs> there when we start looking at Georgia uh, and, and having a conversation with those two guys. You know, a deep dive 
uh, into Georgia. And then I'll give my path to a victory uh, for the Gators. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot for these Gators uh, to get that upset. But we'll get into it right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. And right here, I am joined by Robbie Stelton Pole and Spencer Van Horn from A Rich Tradition Podcast. You guys, they've been on here at Gators Breakdown before a couple of years ago. I know we all got together, gave a good look at Florida, Georgia. You guys, joining me here on Gators Breakdown again from A Rich Tradition Podcast. Man, this is going to be a, a Florida, Georgia preview like, uh, like none other out there. So, Robbie, Spencer, thanks for joining, man. Dude, I'm just, I'm thankful to be asked back. I mean, I say one thing on Twitter to some of your Gator faithful, and I feel like I'm about to get I'm about to get stoned like Steven. So, and my middle name is Steven, so it felt a little weird. With um, a PH, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I hate you. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I'm so glad to be here uh, and talk about the biggest game of the year for us. Yeah, yes, thanks for point. having us back. Yeah, thanks, Mister Man. Uh, Especially let everybody else know you. Uh, you also uh, and I, I have a few Gator fans in Valdosta. You know they let me know when I'm on the radio uh, there. So uh, let everybody know, uh, you know what you got going on in Valdosta as well. Yeah, I do a, a radio show in the mornings on uh, Fox Sports Radio Valdosta, 11:50 a.m., 94.3 FM from about seven to nine in the morning. X's and O's show. We do a lot of college football and um, talk a lot of Georgia and Florida and Florida State and. A lot of Southeastern Conference, so um, it's a it's a good time, and uh, we appreciate uh, David coming on as uh, frequently as he does. Yeah, so Gators breakdown here, a rich tradition podcast for you two guys. More college football. You guys expand uh, out past Florida and Georgia and the SEC. You talk all college football. Give our listeners if they want any more college football coverage that's just not Florida centric. What do you guys bring to the table? Uh I think Spencer and I try to do our absolute best to not allow politics or the the constant narratives that the media creates. We, we try not to follow those. Like, we don't even talk about the playoff until the first playoff rankings <laughs> come out. Uh, we we do a – we do a – you know, we do a review of the week prior. We do a preview of the week coming up. Uh, we do a question of the week for our listeners – um, but we also try to tack on some uh, tack on some recruiting, like we talk about some national recruiting stuff. Um, but I, I really do think, just like you and Will, um, the many episodes I've watched with you guys, like I, I think Spencer and I bring a candor and a relationship that him and I have have had for a while. Um, we just bring a different dynamic to to the conversation. I think at times. So, yeah, we've we've known each other for for quite some time, and. Um, we we tend to follow kind of maybe the, the the big games of the week, and then we try to sprinkle in some of the other things that we think are important around and coaching changes and other maybe stories that are happening in college football that affect college football or um, kind of maybe affect the action that is happening for that week. So, yeah, we, we try to sprinkle it around uh, everywhere in, in maybe about an hour or so, maybe a little over an hour. Even though we swear every week we're going to go under no. an hour. No, we, we tell each other before we start recording, this is going to go under an hour, and then it's an hour and 15 minutes. Yep, yep. Only got five right. games to pick this week. We can do this. Five <laughs> games to pick, and then we add three games by the end of it, and we're breaking yeah. down. Oh, we're, we're also the weirdos who, like, will break down Coastal Carolina versus App State. Like, you know, we, we just I, – I think I, I just – we all love college football. Anyone who watches your show loves college football. But we – my wife says that I have a healthy obsession – um, so that's yeah. probably, I think that's insulting from the way she says it, but it's okay. She loves me regardless, but also hey, look, really go, all, go Braves. Like we have this- go, hey, you read my line. That's exactly where I was going next. If anybody, if, when you, if you're watching the YouTube version right now, you see Robbie, you see Spencer <laughs> with the Atlanta Braves A's hat on. 
go Braves in the World Series. Uh, so I don't know when you listen to this, Gators Breakdown listeners, but just know all three all three Braves fans here. I don't bring Braves fan talk much on Twitter. You know, yeah. I, I know my lane. I know my role, uh, <laughs> Gator talk, but I'll sprinkle it in there here and there. So, all right, let's get started so we can get back to watching the World Series uh, right here as we record uh, you know, during the night this week. But all right, guys, let's start with it. Let's just we'll start a position right quick and quarterback position. Of course, court court on both sides, and we might see four quarterbacks uh, playing in this game between both sides uh, of uh, of Florida and Georgia. So, what's the latest on the Georgia quarterback situation? Stetson Bennett filled in admirably for JT Daniels so far. Where it is Daniels coming along nicely from that injury. So, I guess it's a loaded question here: Who gets to start, and do we see both? Um. Spencer, I, I, I don't know if you saw the latest updates. Uh, I'll share if you have if if you if you haven't. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry. I, I just I always feel weird. I don't want to take time from yeah. Spencer if he has something to say. <laughs> um, uh, so the latest today is like this was the most important practice. It's called Bloody Tuesday. Um, that's yep. what Kirby calls it. The the toughest practice of the week. Um, apparently it was a it, it was a fifty fifty split on first on first team reps. Um, for JT Daniels and Setson Bennett, but uh, all indication um, by insiders and stuff like that is that it's going to be JT Daniels that starts. However, Kirby did say multiple times that Setson Bennett will play. I, I do believe that, but I don't believe it's going to be the, the way some people are creating this narrative of rotation. I don't think it's going to be that way. Um, there's a reason. There's a reason why Kirby for several weeks said our starter is JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett is filling in. He's doing a great job, blah, blah, blah. Um, so like I fully expect to see JT Daniels as a starter, um, pending nothing else gets pulled or strained or anything like that. Yeah. And and I think the, that's been consistent with this week that, uh, Kirby has said is as long as, you know, everybody's healthy, which has been the first key to everything. We want everybody to be healthy. And if JT is healthy, then we'll go in that direction and he will be the starter. And uh, that seems to be the report that, you know, that, that Robbie is mentioning there. But that seems to be consistent with what Kirby has said all along. As long as JT is healthy, he's our guy. Who's, he's who we want to go with. And it kind of goes back to uh, some of the stuff that was talked about last year. Is he ready to fully play, JT, ready to fully play the position of quarterback? Is he mobile? Can he make all the throws that you want him to make? And if he can't, or if that changes during the game, I think Georgia's in a really good position with a backup who has a ton of experience and a successful experience. Yeah, is there any worry the chemistry mess, messing up now with what Stetson's been able to do and, and the offense kind of humming along and then inserting JT back in there? I wish I could say absolutely yes. Like there is a concern there. The way I view it is that like JT's not the only new player that's going to be apparently going to be on the field this uh, week. Yeah. Arian Smith, mm-hmm. um, Rosamy, and Jermaine Burton are all expected back as well. So like if there is if there were to be any issues, like I, I think it would be for both quarterbacks. Right. As you know, as far as uh, chemistry and being on the same page and stuff, uh, I don't. You know, I don't know if you agree with this, um, David, and you don't watch every Kirby interview or press conference, but, like, Kirby doesn't really ever fluff things. Like, he he may be a little iffy on who's going to play start quarterback, but as far as, like, who – if you're injured or if you're not injured, he's pretty he's pretty transparent. Like, you know, hey, he's a little dinged up. Just so you all know, if you ever want to know, if he says he's dinged up, 
we we may try to get him out there. That means he's probably not playing. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but but whenever whenever I hear Kirby talk about this situation, you know, he talks about having faith in both quarterbacks. Like I believe that. I, I don't think that's coach speak. And I think this season, if anything, has shown us whenever he says, you know, what was it, the Arkansas game, where he was saying, you know, all week, uh, you know, I have faith in either quarterback or whoever starts. If JT can't go, then Setson's ready. And look what happened in that game. Like Setson was 100% ready and there was no issue, you know. Um, I know that's long-winded, but I just, I, I just do think there's a little bit of Kirby talk that kind of fits in that narrative. Spencer, I'll extend that question a little bit uh, and let you wrap up quarterback talk here. You know, as coming at it from the Gator perspective just a little bit, I do wonder, I mean, then this could um, – I could be looking at it the wrong way, not knowing how healthy JT Daniels is. But I tell you what, I mean, Stetson Bennett, his mobility kind of worries me a bit uh, with the way he's able to, you know, zone read and maybe get a 15, 20-yard run. And, you know, he doesn't run many of them. Uh, that, but when they do, they seem to pick the perfect opportunity to bring it out and get those yards there for Stetson, maybe even escaping the pocket a bit. I know Brenton Cox was talking tonight in the media, and he was like, hey, I remember when we were playing scout team at Georgia, and I couldn't catch the guy. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I do wonder now, looking at JT Daniels, I was like, maybe it could benefit Florida somewhat if if he is a – "Quote unquote" statue back there, and maybe helping, or at least at least Florida's defenders will know where the quarterback is instead of one that can move around and, and escape the pocket a bit. Well, I think that goes back to sort of Kirby's comments about we want to make sure he's capable of playing, fully playing the position of quarterback. And you go back to the Mississippi State game from last year; there are two plays in that ball game that a lot of Georgia fans should go to to say this is what coach is talking about this is what Kirby is talking about where he's eluding defenders and we might not ask him to take off on those designed runs Mm -hmm. but he's going to be able to sit back there and slide around the pocket step around his feet are going to be good he's going to have the mobility to move around there's no issues with the knee that was the concern last year no issues with the knee he can move around and he can uh, avoid defenders by stepping up or sliding back or shifting over he can kind of um, stay mobile enough to keep plays alive uh, in the pocket. Yeah, so interesting aspect there. Like I said, we could see four quarterbacks if if JT comes out and gets injured again. You know, well, you never know with that can injury. Can you not then, speak that into existence? Well, yeah, yeah no, no, not, I mean, I'm not trying to believe you. Uh, but, you know, if, if it happens, you know, Stetson comes in with Florida side, you can see – I mean, I expect to see both Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones. So, it could be interesting. Look, we saw, what, four quarterbacks last year. I think Emory played last year for Florida, too. So, you had Trask and Emory and, and both quarterbacks for Georgia last year with uh, Mathis and, and, uh, and Bennett there last year. So, it could be two years in a row where you get a number of quarterbacks in this matchup. So, here we go. We'll extend offense talk just a little bit. Running back Kendall Milton, Mac- Kenny McIntosh banged up for Georgia. Uh, Milton – We'll probably miss a few weeks. McIntosh, questionable versus Florida. But look, Zamira White, James Cook, that's who you're going to be looking out for right now for just Georgia run game. So injuries there, White and Cook, they should be fine to, to carry the load behind an offensive line that somewhat disappointing last season, but those guys have bounced back this season and helped lead the way for this Georgia ground attack. Yeah, I also just – just to, because I, th- I think he's done a great job when he's been asked to play is Donovan Edwards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um uh, the, the kid out of Colquitt County, uh, he, he's done well. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Kirby said tonight, or or the expectation is actually McIntosh will be back uh, okay. for this week as well. Um, but yeah, um, Milton, Mil- I think Milton's going to be done 
possibly probably till a Georgia Tech game, um, which I think is goes back to the whole situation like with JT Daniels last year, where it's kind of like a cleared, but we want to be 100% sure um, because Milton is our future, you know, um, like that kid, that kid, y'all, you've seen it, everyone's seen it, like that kid will run someone over and he's very fast as well. Uh, but t- to your point on the offensive line, like I- I'm going to be honest, this offensive line, you know, I thought this year was going to be the kind of down, down downward year. Like if you would have at the beginning of last season said, oh, who's going to be better, you know, 2020 or 2021, I would have put a hundred thousand dollars on 2020. And you know, that, like you said, they were a disappointment. And this year, this team, you know, they lose Erickson on like the, what the third play of the season and, um, Sawyer has to come in and we move, we move center and we move out to the left tackle with other players. And, and this line has really, really done an incredible job. They have surpassed my expectations. I know that they have slowly but surely moved up the ranks of, uh, is it Cole? Always mess up his name. Cole Kublik. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cole Kublik, like he is slowly moved. He, they've slowly moved up his rankings of offensive line as the season has gone on. Um, it might be one of the most impressive jobs, you know, this whole season, in my opinion, is not about Kirby. It is about the assistant coaches and how well they've done. And I know we'll get to the wide receivers here in a minute, but like Cortez Hankton and uh, Matt Luke have just done a great job this season. Spencer, I'll, I'll go back to the running backs just for a second. Look, we know Zamir White. We saw him very first play versus Florida last year and what he was able to do for a 75-yard touchdown run. So we know him. And you know, James Cook, you know, you, you go and almost before every season, it's like James Cook's a breakout player. James Cook's a breakout player. We've seen more glimpses this year than we've seen in years past. Yeah, and, and that's – there was kind of a part of me that's kind of thinking to myself, not that anybody's happy to see anybody injured, but at the same time, there seems to be a – a potential, I want to see more of Zamir White. I want to see more of James Cook. And we've gotten a a good bit of James Cook at different times, almost a total of 100 yards receiving and uh, running the football out of the backfield. He's averaging the 6.3 yards uh, per carry right now, 42 yards per game on the ground right now. So I think some people would think to themselves, while we don't want anybody injured, we're excited to maybe see a duo of White and Cook for most of the ball game, as those guys are their own kind of dynamic. Zamir White with a really incredible run against, oh, I don't even remember who it was, but where his knee almost touches the ground oh, yeah. and he's able to stay on balance <laughs> and getting, yeah, Arkansas and get into the end zone. So, I mean, the the talent is there for both of those guys, and if there is a quarterback issue, if there is a um, chemistry issue like we talked about earlier, I think Georgia fans with the offensive line that Robbie is talking about and Zamir White and James Cook, you kind of feel good about leaning on those guys till the chemistry gets uh, figured out. Yeah, so injuries there, uh, of course, but still talent leading the way there for Georgia. But talk about injuries. If we mentioned injuries at running back, the wide receiver position just dealt with them since back to the springtime for Georgia. George Pickens still out. Dominic Blaylock probably still out, unless you guys have an update there. Arian Smith, I know you brought him up. Questionable was, you know, coming into this interview. You guys can update it there. Jermaine Burton, Marcus Roseby, Jackson should be close to 100%. In the meantime, Kyrus Jackson, one of the best names in college football right now. Lad McConkey, uh, <laughs> redshirt freshman. Uh, Justin Robinson, all those guys in the mix. And Georgia's leading receiver. 
tight end Brock Bowers. I mean, leading the way, 25 receptions, 416 yards, six touchdowns. I don't think anybody saw that coming <laughs> right now, no matter if you're a Georgia fan or not. So even with the injuries piling up, few targets can help with this efficient passing game. Yeah, I – I mean, well, first of all, if you would, you would go back to the spring in February, you know, or whenever George tore his ACL, uh, you know, you would have told me in that spot, David, you know, you DM me and say, Hey, Robbie, I'm from the, I'm from the freaking future and (laughs) Pickens will not be there. And your, your, your leading wide receiver will be Lad McConkey (laughs) and your best target will be a freshman tight end, not named Darnell Washington. Yeah. I would have said, well, we're, we, we've lost four games already, you know, this season. Um, the, the the fact that those guys have and, – and A.D. Mitchell as well, you know, the three-star kid who no one really wanted until Georgia saw him at a clinic, you know, and worked him out and offered him on the spot. You know, mixture of, mixture of him and uh, – and then just looking at what, what, like you were mentioning, like we talked about earlier, what's to come. Like, Arian Smith is supposed to be back. Rosamy, I mean, like, is there probably a kid in the skill position that's more hungry to come back to this game than than Rosamy? You know, yeah. of, of course, the injury is not anyone's fault. It's just a freak accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but of course, he want, like his very first catch of his career is a long touchdown pass where he breaks his ankle. You know, um, Justin Robinson is out. Um, Dominic Blaylock will be out. George Pickens obviously will be out, but there still is Kyrus Jackson. There is Dominic Blaylock, or there's um, Jermaine Burton who will be back. Rosemary will be back. You know, I I've leaned really on let's hold off calling George's offense elite in any kind of way because I'm not saying they can't get there, but they haven't really needed to lean on yeah. a lot of stuff because the defense has just been so elite. The field has been short so often, but man, it does really kind of make me get a little giddy, you know, in my Georgia fanness of thinking of these guys being in these positions where, you know, they're it's no longer a freshman lad McConkey running, you know, running these routes. It's a very fast, very big, you know, Jermaine Burton or Rosamy who are faster, you know, who can run routes better. Like that really does excite me. Um, that doesn't automatically mean that it's going to be, it's going to be rainbows and unicorns, but it does give me a little hope that this offense can can make that evolution step that we've been waiting for freaking three years for. Especially you think Pickens being out just kind of opens it up. You know, that's why you hear so many names now uh, for, for, for Georgia involved in this passing game. Yeah, Pickens, Pickens being one of those guys, and then I think Jermaine and Kiaris Jackson sort of being slower to come back. They've had little things that have kept them uh, at bay, if you will, and – yeah, I, I think Pickens being out has opened it up for a lot of guys, but Burton and um, and Roseme and Kiaris Jackson, those guys being down as well, have certainly allowed for Aladdin McConkey. The injury to Darnell Washington has allowed for Brock Bowers to be a little bit more of a feature. And I wouldn't even be surprised if a little bit of this – and maybe JT would be leaning on them if he was the quarterback as well, so maybe that's irrelevant. But, yeah, the injury to Pickens for sure, but the other injuries as well has certainly allowed these other guys to uh, to have an opportunity to step up, and Ladd and Brock have done a really a really good job taking uh, advantage of that opportunity. Can say, David, so, do you mind so, if I ask you a question? I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, and then maybe, I'd, love, maybe, I'd love to hear and, your and Maybe this goes into uh, as well. So how, how does Georgia use Bowers? Is he – is he the 
package. You know, is he a blocker? And well, of course he's a, of course he's a receiver. He got the numbers to prove it. But you know, is it a giveaway if he's on the field that Georgia's looking more to pass than they are to run? I, before the I Arkansas, so. yeah, okay. before the Arkansas game, I would have said, um, you know, he does a lot of both. But yeah. in the Kentucky game, excuse me, in the Auburn game. It really did kind of seem that we used Darnell Washington more for run than we did Bowers. But even though Bowers does do a great job of both, um, I think Bowers has shown himself to, like, not to bring up a trigger name here, but, like, he has been the Rick Gilbert that we kind of expected. You know, Rick Gilbert was the tight end that everyone envisioned pushing out to slot, moved Darnell in, you know, then, like, what do you do? And Bowers has kind of been that, been that a Rick Gilbert, what are you going to do? kind of thing. Um, I, there, there, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, when fast forward, you know, rewind back to, back to May, whenever, you know, all the crap went down, like when you look at what has happened with this receiving court at Georgia, like what are your thoughts? Like how do you view this coaching staff now? You know, yes, it's only seven games and yes, there's a lot more to play, but what do you think of this Georgia coaching staff and the development of these younger guys? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely impressive in what they've done there because, I mean, also just throw back in that JT Daniels is not the one throwing him the ball. It's Stetson Bennett. So you've got what, quote, unquote, a backup quarterback, quote, unquote, backup receivers. And, you know, it it all falls on that run game. If Georgia wasn't able to run the ball, I'm not sure they'd be able to do it. But, I mean, look, we kind of knew that would be the identity of this Georgia team anyway. If they can run the ball, you can can pass with – who, who who they're who who they're doing it with who they're doing it with Stetson Bennett and those numbers of, uh, of receivers there so it really goes into and look you guys it, get, get your breakdown listeners know you probably know from my my Twitter too recruiting matters stars matter and you recruit well and it, it, it this is what plays into it yes Stetson Bennett may not be a highly ranked uh, you know quarterback highly ranked overall player but he's surely throwing the teams uh, throwing the players that are and the guys in front of him blocking for him are you know, highly ranked guys too. So it just, it's another feather in the cap of Kirby and staff of I'm going to go get my guys. And, you know, if they need to be on the field, they're going to be ready early because that's, that's what, that's what high level recruiting does. These guys are going to be ready early on to go contribute for a, a team like a team like Georgia. Well, and I was going to just add on to that. That's been one of the things that Georgia's has been able to sustain some of these injuries, George Pickens and, and even the others, the way that they have been, and even some of the ones on defense is just that that's sort of the the fruits of the labor there on the recruiting trail. You 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 nailed it on the head there. Yeah, and not every guy's a five star, but when you right. surround them with the high level four stars and five stars, I mean these guys are gonna you know it, 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 you can spread it around a little bit. So yeah, I mean, iron, I mean, iron sharpening iron a little bit. There you go. Hey, that's biblical. Go. That's my realm. There you go. Very good. <laughs> Football season is also tailgating season, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than Four River Smokehouse. Named the number one barbecue in the South by Southern Living Magazine, Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. Got to get the brisket. Got to get those ribs. Get those pulled chicken, pulled pork sliders as well. Get all of it with those home-style sides and those fresh-baked desserts at any of Four River Smokehouse's 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate ready, so you can spend more time hanging out, watching games, 
talking to everybody, talking to your friends at the tailgate. You don't have to worry about all the time at the grill. Enjoy the gridiron pack for four for $54.99 or the party for 12 pack for $109. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, homestyle sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. Now, for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. So Gators, whether you live in Gainesville or come into Jacksonville for the game, Four Rivers has got you covered. If you're in Gainesville, swing by the Gainesville location located in Butler Plaza. There's two locations here in Jackson in the Jacksonville area. If you're coming in for Florida, Georgia, hit them Four Rivers up. If you're tailgating at home in the Orlando, Tampa, Tallahassee areas as well, then you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four River Smokehouse. Also, big, big week in the betting world. What is a lock? A lock is simply put, you it's, it's a bet you can't lose. And with my boogie, you can't lose with the NBA lock of the season. When you bet on either team to score between the Dallas Mavericks or the Denver Nuggets this Friday, you win. And the NBA game has never gone scoreless, so this is a sure bet. Place your bet, they score, you win. It is that easy. Get paid Friday, wake up Saturday, and throw down on UFC 267 and all the college football action. This weekend, my bookie is also giving users a $100 risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship fight between Jan Blahovich and Glover Teixeira. So don't wait. Head to mybookie.ag and use promo code GATERS to get in on the NBA lock of the season. That's promo code GATERS. It's a lock. Get your season started with a win. You can thank me later. College football, NFL, the World Series, NBA, NHL, UFC. You can bet on it all at MyBookie. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. All right, look, guys, we know Kirby knows defense. No surprise there. It's his calling card. It's what he does best. But defensive coordinator Dan Lanning, what is his contribution to, to, to this role? You know, it's always hard to, you know, you know, Kirby's been able to kind of buck the trend of, hey, this is a Nick Saban assistant. That's that's Nick Saban's defense. You know, there, there, there's that, that that's not that's not the assistant. That's not the defensive coordinator's defense. That's Nick Saban's defense. Okay, well, we 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 know Kirby had a lot to do with how good Alabama was by what he's been able to do uh, at, at Georgia so far. So, what's Dan Lanning's role uh, in this offense? What is the the split of Kirby's defense versus Lanning's defense? You know, a mix of it. I'm not trying to shame Lanning here at all. At all, you know at all yeah. but just trying to get a sense of roles here and you know these guys that head up the best defense in the country i'm gonna be honest with you until until this year like i love dan lanning like i really do but it was until this season where you know you hear all you heard all off season how kirby has been more hands-off than he's ever been you heard about how um He's letting he's you know he's letting Munkin run the offense. He's letting Lanning run the defense, and you, you kind of don't know if you buy it or not. But then, but then you start looking, you start watching the games, and you start watching him on the sidelines. And yeah, like he is talking when they're huddled up, he is talking to them and everything. But when Lanning's calling plays now, Kirby's not beside him the whole time. Like Lanning is dialing this stuff up. And I think I think what Lanning brings to the table that Kirby did occasionally, but didn't do nearly as much as he had as they have this year is 
the the bringing pressure from all directions. Yeah. Um, you know, it helps whenever you have you know six mongoids playing you know <laughs> between the four rotating defensive linemen spot. You know it, that does help, but the way he brings blitzes with Nicobe Dean and Channing Tindall and the corner blitzes, like there's just always someone someone else coming. You rarely see Georgia bring only three, and even on third down, like it, it is always pressure. It is always pressure, always pressure, and we've run more zone this year um, than pe- than probably people realize. You know Kirby's always been man to man, high pressure. And, and this year we've run a lot of zone and, and I think long winded, I'm sorry, but I think that's, that's kind of what Dan Lanning has brought is an evolution in a way of this defense all the way from the blitzing from all over the field, but also the, the kind of zone coverage as opposed to man to man all the time. Spencer, we talked to Dan Mullen yesterday and he said the exact same thing Robbie just did. He goes, you don't know where the pressure's coming from. (laughs) And especially on third down. So now, for Florida, look, whether Anthony Richardson starts or not, he's going to be on the field. He's a young quarterback. He doesn't have, you know, a lot of experience out there. This Dan Lanning-led offense, uh, you're probably going to pose some problems for a young quarterback. So we'll see, you know, if he's got the playmaking ability to get out of it. But at least just talking scheme and just talking football, I think uh, Anthony Richardson is probably going to be – he's probably going to be swimming a bit, and we'll see if his playmaking ability is able to take over at all. Yeah, and I think that's what Dan has been worried about, or uh, and maybe yeah. even Lincoln early on at at Oklahoma. That's what you're worried about putting these young guys in high pressure situations where they are not only going to have to make reads to on a regular defense, but they're also going to have to pick up blitzes and maybe even try to call things out before the snap and those different things. A guy Spencer, like not Anthony, only making reads, man, but making reads really fast. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Making reads really fast. So uh, before the snap and after the snap. So yeah. and I think that's where maybe some of Dan Mullen, you can maybe defend him with some of the time that uh, AR-15 has been given on the field is, hey, man, he's just he's not ready to handle that stuff. Emory Jones is ready to handle before the snap, maybe a little bit more of after the snap and we're just a little more comfortable with him operating the offense. And when a guy like Anthony Richardson gets out there, you, I think if you're a Florida fan or if you're Dan Mullen, you're sort of nervous about what could be coming his way in terms of, you know, exotic blitzes and things like that, that will uh, confuse him and make things difficult. And maybe that's where, if you're Dan Mullen, you're trying to keep things as simple as possible. Yeah, yeah, expect that. Uh, yeah, there. Get, get this package of plays ready to go, and you know, getting as deep in the playbook as you can. But this is going to probably have to be a go make some plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, from, from your stop, from, from your quarterback there. So, got a simple question, but I'll extend it. Did you ever expect this defense to be this good? I mean, we knew they'd be good, but this good, uh, I'm not sure anybody saw this good. I mean, preseason All-American Jordan Davis. It, Fifth-year Devontae Wyatt, sophomore Jalen Carter, as veterans of the group there on the defensive line. It starts right there. But, look, you include those linebackers. And, you, Robbie, you brought the names up. Channing Tindall leads the teams with tackles with 33. N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker. Dean, you know, semifinalist last year for the, the, the Buckus Award. Leader of the defense. Looks to be back for this game as well. And a lot of high-profile names contributing to this level of defense. Again, we knew would be good, but I'm not sure we knew this good. Well, I mean, like Spencer and I talked about this, I think, in August when we were doing our, like, uh, preview of the SEC. 
Um, you know, one of the things that I said that Kirby did by going to get a Rick Gilbert, by going to get Tyke Smith, by going to get um, uh, Deion, or Kendrick, I always mess up his name, so I just say Kendrick. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing that Kirby did was take away his excuses. Who freaking knew that he would not need them? Yeah. You know, because not only not only is a Rick Gilbert MIA, you know, which that's a whole nother conversation, mm-hmm. but Tyke Smith, you know, was injured, mess, had messed up his foot before the season started. Then the game that he's he's finally going to start before the Kentucky game, he tears his ACL and he's out for the year. And so, and then Amir Speed, which adds more, you know, which was supposed to be a heavy contributor, he's been injured. He he will hopefully it's supposed supposedly be back this season or I mean this uh, this week as well. Like I, I say all that to say like the the concern was okay DBs like what are we going to do like we know we're going to have a really good front seven. But our DBs, like, where, how are they going to play? You know, oh my gosh, I, I remember, I remember thinking or talking at the lunch table with some of my fellow teachers, like, man, George better get after every quarterback because their DBs aren't going to be very good. Man, that was wrong. Like, that, I'm not saying they're elite. I'm not saying they're going to win some awards or whatever. But like, I think Spencer would agree this defensive backfield to me is what makes this defense like, Yes, the front seven is what makes it so elite, but it's the the back the back four or five guys that have stepped up so much this year that has kept it at a top tier, like elite level. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I think there's been moments for um, there have been maybe moments where fans have thought or maybe um, folks have said things like, you know, Kirby's gone out and he's gotten 24 points against Arkansas and he's sort of shut it down because he knows he doesn't need anything else because of how well the defense is playing. And maybe there's an element that he knew this front group was going to be really, really good. And he knew that it had at least the potential to be really, really good. And so maybe he and the coaching staff were able to keep things simple for that defensive backfield and those new guys that were coming in. And in that effort that, if this front seven can be as good as we're hoping and, and wanting, then maybe those guys can take a ton of pressure off of the guys in the uh, in the defensive backfield. But I think the other thing that we have coming up here, and it could potentially happen in this game if AR-15 does take off, if things do look better and open up things down the field a little bit more, which he was able to do with some big passes downfield against LSU, at some point that defensive backfield is going to be tested with a different kind of passing attack and a different kind of quarterback that is able to elevate a passing attack to a level that is going to get to them. And so George is still waiting on that moment. I think that's probably the biggest uh, criticism right now, or maybe not criticism, but void that's been left open is who is this Georgia? What is this Georgia defense when it comes to a quarterback that can really elevate an offense and take it to the next level Georgia hasn't necessarily had to face that just yet. We thought maybe with Arkansas, and there's been some moments this season for Auburn, but ultimately we didn't see it against Georgia, and that has to do with them, but it also has to do with maybe those those two offenses just aren't there yet, and you're looking at an Ohio State, you're looking at potentially uh, Alabama and potentially Oklahoma, and maybe even this weekend with AR-15. Yeah, that's the hope for Florida. You know, we, we – he- Richardson opens up this offense. There's, there's yeah. no secret about it now. Whether it's going to be on a consistent basis versus this Georgia defense, but even the weaker opponents at the beginning of the season, last week versus LSU, Richardson does open up the offense. So you want to 
see that and see if that that can bleed over into this Georgia game. But Spencer, you're right. And you know, I was talking to and Rob. I don't know if you know our, our good friend Josh. He's a he's a friend of, of our good friend Bunker, Josh Emery, uh, Josh Weatherton. Okay. Um, so, but we were we were talking, you know, behind the scenes and stuff, and it was just like, you know, there's not to take anything away from the Georgia defense, but how fun would it be if it was this Georgia defense versus Alabama last year and Florida last year with those passing attacks? Like, how, just how fun as a football fan would that be? That they be could cover a wheel route. <laughs> 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 but, you know, going, going to Spencer's point there, it's just, you know, there's not a Mac Jones or Kyle Trask and, you know, Kyle Trask and, and those weapons of Tony and Pitts and Devontae Smith and, and uh, those receivers for, for Alabama. There, there's not that, not to take any, anything away from Georgia. It's just that would just been fun to watch. As, as a football fan, that would have been like, okay, Here's a slobber knocker defense and a, and a high flying offense. They've been so fun to watch. And look, I mean, it may not matter anyway. Georgia's going to get, they're going to get a test eventually, and they'll probably pass it with flying colors. Well, yeah, and, and, and the guys at college, uh, what is it, the college football nerds that are on, mm-hmm. uh, on YouTube as well, they've talked about it that good defenses are going to get pushed, that a good offense will always get the advantage over the good defense. And so there might not, like you said, there might not be a Trevor Lawrence or a Kyle Trask or a Tua or a Baker Mayfield this season, at least yet. There might not be one of those guys just yet. So Georgia might not have to face one of those. But what happens when they do? And that would be pretty incredible. And it could happen a little later down the line. But, um, yeah, if this is Georgia against Kyle Trask, it it might be another um, ball game where whoever's playing quarterback for Georgia is going to have to keep up no matter what just because – Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts are going to get theirs. And I, I just to, just to add on to that conversation, I think I already referenced it a little bit, but I think I think what does make this defense so different to your question, David, that you originally asked, what makes them so different is the depth on the D-line. Mm-hmm. Like um, freaking Devontae Wyatt, like what the crap? Like this, this dude has <laughs> been such a non-factor really for, you know, for most of his time. You know, we knew Jalen Carter was a freak a couple of times last year, but this year he has definitely went, you know, God mode a couple of times. And, you know, we have Thanos, you know, and Jordan Davis, who just apparently has the six stones and he can just like evaporate a center anytime he wants. Such a nerd. You're welcome. Um, I mean, do you not see what's behind me? I mean, come on. Yes, no, uh, I'm, I'm well aware. But to me, it, it goes back to, and of course, I'm going to freaking remember his, forget his name while we're recording, number four. Um, our defensive end, um, Adam Nolan. Anderson and Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith, thank you. Nolan Smith is to me has been one of the most disappointing players up mm-hmm. until this year. He yep. has he you know his freshman year he showed out he had some great moments, but then for the last two years you know last year or so wasn't that great. And last year, like I know for a fact that Kirby got in his face and Adam Anderson's face because Anderson was about to about to transfer. If, if people don't know that, he was considering transferring. And Kirby said, "Like you want to play? Well, you don't. You're, you don't show. You know, like you don't do the fundamentals. You don't do the things that we want you to do. It's not just about rushing the passer. It's also stopping the run." And this year, both Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith have just taken it to a whole nother level. And you know, th- that's been what's so impressive to me is just the depth across the board. And these guys that I didn't think were going to be elite have just kind of shown up this year. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. It's going to be a heck of a matchup. We'll see, uh, you know, if Florida's got anything for him. Florida's able to run the ball a little bit earlier this year. That's kind of slowed down a bit once 
all the films been out there. Florida's been beat up up front too. So by by the way, it could come at a better time for Florida. This offensive line going against this Georgia defensive front. Florida needed to heal some bumps and bruises uh, up front there uh, going against this this Georgia defensive front. But uh, guys, good stuff. Great preview there of Georgia. Like uh, any, anything else you want to add shortly, uh, quickly about this game? Well, I was I was going to jump in real quick. You had a caller, uh, or I think it was here on Twitter. Somebody jumped in and, and had a conversation with you earlier this week, uh, David, about mm-hmm. jumping out to a fast start. Yeah. Georgia jumped out to a fourteen to nothing lead early last year, and that didn't matter. Kyle Trask and and, and right. Kyle Pitts, you know, score fourteen points in their sleep, so that wasn't a big deal for those two guys. What happens if the reverse could happen this time? Can you get creative with the ground game with AR-15 yeah. and then hit something down the field to uh, to Copeland, who's averaging 18 yards a catch? So could you do something like that and jump on Georgia early? And if it is Stetson Bennett or if it is JT Daniels, put the pressure on right away and say, okay, now come keep up. You're injured. You're beat up on the wide receiver group. Now come keep up with us. That's one of my keys to the game because I think since Dan Mullen's been head coach at Florida, 2018, I think it was a 10 nothing Georgia lead. 2019, I think it was a 10 nothing Georgia lead. And then last year, 14 nothing Georgia lead. And finally able to come back and, and get that. We saw Florida come back once this year, 20, down 21 3 versus Bama, and you're able to come back and make a game of it. Came back versus LSU uh, with, with AR leading the charge uh, in the last game as well. But you get down 14 nothing versus this Georgia team. I'm not sure you're coming back against yeah, this defense. So something has to change for the trend of this game of Florida getting off to a better start. Uh, and, and, I, and I agree. I think with AR, it, gets, it would get AR comfortable. It would maybe in some way make, you know, may, maybe make this Georgia defense feel somewhat human if you can get off to a 10 nothing, you know, lead. I mean, look. I think I looked it up today. The only time Georgia has been down was what, three nothing versus Auburn? Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think so. I think yeah. So, it, so the the thing that I'm also curious about, and you you tweeted about it earlier this week, David. Yes, I stalk you on Twitter. Um, <laughs> is your uh, it is about motivation, yeah. And like, how motivated is Florida? Focus, and yeah. and and you like look here, like I know that they're gonna be motivated. Like I'm not stupid. You had a week off. You you have a horrible taste in your mouth from what happened with the LSU game. And I, I would normally like I would. It's normally, all about how long the motivation lasts. Yes, and and but also, this Georgia team is probably pretty pissed for last year. Oh yeah, and and because uh, like they're not going to forget the snapped ankle. They're not going to forget the Lewis scene hit where he tried to take Pitts' soul. You know, like he's not going to forget the you know losing two DBs in the Ty, Tyreek Stevenson going out in that game, but also. Like and I, I don't think it's a big deal at all. By the way, I just want to say that before I say this, the Darth Vader outfit, you know, mm-hmm. after after the game, and you know, and Mullen enjoying the the, the win, you know, and he deserved he deserved. The that was the week before. That was the week before versus Missouri. Oh my bad. Okay, my my, my yep. fault. But just I, I guess just the the taste of defeat, you know, like Jordan Davis didn't play in that game, you know, like there's going to be this. I, I think there's motivation on both sides that that I'm very curious to see how long it continues. Um, I'm not foolish. Like I, I, have told so many people this week in just the two days that we, that people have asked, you know, how hey, you think George is going to blow them out? I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if they cover, like it's a 14 and a half point spread. I think right now, like, I don't know if they cover that. 
I, I, I'm, you know, I don't, you didn't ask me for my prediction, but just to say, like, I think Georgia wins, but I don't think it's comfortable. I don't think it's close. I, I don't think it's a blowout. I think, I think rivalries are rivalries for a reason. And I think Dan Mullins and AR 15 are going to have some, some, some answers for Georgia. So that's where yeah, I'm at yeah. with motivation. I, all about the offensive line for me. If Florida can get, any kind of time, you know, and, and, and look, the, the, the timing is not going to be there consistently. You know, Anthony Richards is not going to have all day to throw all day long. It's just, can you pick your spots? And when you, when you pick your spot and decide to go deep, do you have that extra tick of a second to get the pass off? That that's, that's going to be the difference. That's going to be the difference in the game to me. I agree. I, and I, and it, it's always about the trenches. And so yeah. the way you were able to get back in that ball game against Alabama, you you were patient, I think, on the ground yeah. with your ground game, and that went a long way. You didn't necessarily panic. It's 21-3 to at the end of the first quarter. There's still a lot of ball game left to play. The defense obviously stepped up in a major way. But, yeah, being patient and being able to bully, uh, bully an Alabama front that you never really think to be bullied, and maybe you can – channel that and and come here and say all right we're we're gonna we're gonna do something there's a funny movie that mentions something about attacking the strengths of the other of, of the other guy and nobody ever thinks to attack the strengths so go right at them see i mean yeah. you don't have anything else to lose go right at them yeah i mean it's been florida's mo you know at the beginning beginning part of the season that was florida's mo you know run downhill and it worked for the most part and you know we'll see if getting some of those offensive linemen a little more healthy uh, will we'll go a long way in, in, in trying, to, trying to push something <laughs> up front yeah. against this Georgia front. Hey, guys, I can't thank you enough for joining us here at Rich Tradition Podcast. Check these guys out, Robbie, Spencer, on that podcast. Guys, where, where can they find the podcast at? Yeah, we're on, uh, I believe, we're everywhere. We're on Spotify. Yeah. We're on Apple uh, uh, iTunes as well, so you can, you can check it out there. Um, uh, should be everywhere your, your podcasts are found. And if you want more Florida Georgia coverage for with these guys, I'll be on their podcast. So we'll we'll get the we'll get the other angle. We'll, we'll reverse it. So go look for a rich tradition podcast, and we'll have even more Florida Georgia talk uh, on their side of things. Guys, I can't thank you enough. Yes, sir. No thank problem. you. Thank you, bud. Ooh, there we go. Deep dive into Georgia. There, some Florida talk as well from Robbie and Spencer. They they can give you give you plenty of reasons why you can see this Georgia team is as dominant as they have been this season, but game still got to be played so let's take an overall look at the statistics for both teams before we get into uh the path of victory for the gators you're looking at it right here if you're on the youtube version you can get the graphics uh here but uh here we go looking at it total offense florida ninth in college football georgia 42nd in college football florida's got the second best total offense in the sec georgia is eighth total offense in the sec uh, scoring offense, though, that's that, that that's the difference. <laughs> These total total offensive yards don't mean much as much as scoring offense. Georgia's 13th in college football in scoring, 38.4 points per game. Florida's 26th, 34, four points, 34 point, 34 point, four points per game. Georgia's offense averaging four more points a game than the Gators. Rushing offense, Florida's still up there in college football. Fourth overall, second in the SEC. Georgia, 39th in college football in FBS. Sixth in the SEC. Passing offense, not that big of a difference leading Florida's way. Florida's 53rd overall in FBS. Georgia, 62. Florida, 247.4. 
Georgia 237.4. So Florida averaging 10 more passing yards uh, a game there. But, you know, you look at it right here, touchdown and interception radio, ratio. Georgia's taking care of the ball much better than Florida. Florida tie for 101st in touchdown to interception ratio, 1.3, 16 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Georgia, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. But then you go and look at compared here. You you don't you know you don't compare defense to defense, but of course you you kind of just take what I just told you about Florida and, and their offense and what they have to go against on that Georgia side of the ball on defense. I mean, if you're looking at the YouTube version, you can see it for yourself right here. But I'm going to go down the list of Georgia total defense number one in the country, scoring defense number one in the country. Rushing defense, second in the country. Passing defense, second in the country. Passing efficiency defense, second in the country. Of course, that's all first in the SEC <laughs> as well. Woo, I mean, takeaways, Georgia is tied for 68th in the country, so you know, not a heavy forcing turnover team. They just get off the field. They just get you off the field. Um, you know, team probably – going a little bit of shell, playing against this Georgia team and uh, not taking a whole lot of risk. If you look at it that way, you compare the takeaways for Florida's defense, 113th in the country for Florida, not forcing turnovers, of course. Um, Georgia does have eight interceptions for us this year. so um, And really good in the red zone. Tied for fifth in the country there. Uh, but if you expect that with all those <laughs> number one uh, in the SEC rankings and first and second rankings, uh, they're for um, FBS rankings for this Georgia defense. So 10, they're 10th in the country. Georgia is in sacks per game, first in the SEC. Georgia has 24 sacks on the season. Florida's third overall in the SEC, tied for 16th in the country with 21. So Georgia, three more sacks than Florida. Tackles for loss, not you probably would expect that to be a little bit higher for Georgia given their defensive to defensive statistics. 57th in college football in FBS and then sixth in the SEC. They have 38 tackles for loss, only one more than Florida. Florida has 37. Um, so look at it that way, but total defense, scoring defense, rushing defense, passing defense, first in the SEC, either first or second in the country. Not telling you anything you don't know, but there, if you can, if you wanted to just kind of see it and see all the ones and the twos there for Georgia's defense, that's uh, what you get there for that Georgia defense. So, what is a path to victory for the Gators? It's going to be tough. Looking at those stats right there, definitely, definitely going to be tough uh, to get some points there on this Georgia defense. So, there's got to be a path, of course. Um, we'll. we'll Kind of going to just maybe stick to the football aspect of it. You know, there there is a narrow path here for Florida, unless something bonkers just happens, something you can't really expect, something you can't forecast, something you can't really account for or predict, anything like that. You know, just taking what we know so far, what have we seen game in and game out from these two teams? What is the path for a Gator victory? Maybe narrow, maybe slim, but upsets happen. How can it happen if we just look at the play on the field? First, start Anthony Richardson. No surprise there from the Gator side of things. That gives Florida the best chance. Maybe having him play more, he doesn't necessarily have to start. I don't think you should waste any plays. 
any possessions. I think he should get the first snap of the game, and you ride with him there, if it, especially if he's got the hot hand. I know Dan Mullen's going to play Embry Jones. That's You can sit here and say, start Anthony Richardson and play him every play. I, I don't think that's likely. So I'm going to put my likely part in here too. I think Emory Jones is going to play some. I don't necessarily agree with it unless Richardson is just not performing like we want, maybe somewhat expect him to. It's going to be tough versus this Georgia defense. But Dan Mullen's going to play Emory Jones. So I think we have to factor that in just a little bit. Hopefully the plays aren't wasted. Hopefully it's not a wasted drive, however it works. I think you need every play. Every play is going to be important in this game. But at least start AR, give him a huge majority of the snaps. I think that is Florida's best path to a victory. And I'm not saying Anthony Richardson will be able to, but if what we have seen this so far this season is any indication about this Georgia defense, you've got to be able to take advantage of explosives, and that's when Anthony Richardson brings to the table. He's the better of the quarterbacks to try and get something consistently down the field. Not saying he'll be able to do it, but we know this is the that's, that's more likely with him than it is with Emory Jones from what we've seen so far this year. Explosive plays are going to have to happen. These 10, 11 play drives that Florida has put together so far this year, and you're credit to them for that. You haven't played a defense like this. You haven't played a defense that's going to be able to you know, to, to keep up with those 10, 11 play drives. I and mean, those are not going to happen versus this Georgia defense. You might get one or two. Might. But if you're going to score on this Georgia defense, you're going to have to hit the explosives. You're going to have to use your athletes. That is Florida's path to a victory. And it's going to be tough for Richardson versus this Georgia defense. He's seen nothing like it. It starts up front. The playbook only opens up as long as he has time. You know, Dan Mullen can scheme all he wants to, and he'll probably have a great game plan. The game plan is going nowhere if Florida doesn't block up front. You know, Kirby's going to Kirby Smart's going to play in heavy for Anthony Richardson. He probably sees that's Florida's best chance to a victory as well. You know, I'm not saying he's going to just ignore what Emory Jones can bring to the table, but if you're going to scheme, all right, stop the explosive plays. If I'm Kirby Smart, I don't think I don't think Emory Jones is going to drive 10, 11 plays over and over again to beat my team. I don't think so. So, you know, AR is going to be schemed up more so than he has before. Things won't be as nearly as easy as they were versus LSU. Uh, and then there was much more put on film in that game for what Anthony Richardson can do and maybe what he likes to do. And let's hope he handles it well. Score early, get some confidence, take advantage of what might be a more limited playbook. Hopefully, of what, hopefully a lot of what is game planned can be executed. We've heard Mullins say that that Richardson isn't as deep as Emory in the playbook, doesn't know the offense as much. We know if you compare the limitations, that doesn't matter. He, he's a playmaker. Um, and if that has an effect, if Florida can get up early, then maybe not knowing the whole playbook, maybe it doesn't come into play as much. Get some points up early on offense. You, you, you need them. I think for confidence, and I think you're just going to need the points early. Make Georgia fight back somehow, some way. I think Florida's got to test Georgia deep. Going to be tough to block that defensive front consistently to take too many deep shots. You're going to have to pick your spots. And, and it's going to be tough for this run game as well because of this Georgia front. So extend. Extend part of the game with the wide receiver screens that we've seen under Dan Mullen so much in his tenure. Go back to that Mississippi State game and that defensive front back in 2018. Um, when Dan Mullen you know, 
schemed up the wide receiver screen like crazy <laughs> versus that Mississippi State uh, defense and that defensive front. Now, I don't think it'll be used as much in that game. It can't be. Uh, this Georgia defense can pursue. They can defend east-west, but make them run east-west. Maybe they can try and tire out this Georgia defensive front. Now, they're deep up there. They can rotate, but, you know, if they are going to rotate, Anytime you can get a player like Jordan Davis off the field <laughs> for a breather, that, 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 that's good. You know, that's some kind of check mark for Florida there. Uh, you're not going to beat Georgia going east-west all game, but I do think their front would dictate Florida needing to go to the screen game to be an extension of the run game and also just get them running a bit more. Try and, try and tire them out when you can, but you, I don't think you'll be able to do it consistently there. But I think also just to help that Florida run game, I don't think Florida's going to be able to run consistently uh, on Georgia too much either. So kind of the extension of the run game as well. Now, Florida hasn't blocked the screen game great this year uh, compared to the, the last few seasons. There's been some plays here or there, but you know, receivers in this game, more importantly, get the ball, get upfield. No dancing around. Just go get your yards. You can't get behind schedule on offense. Go get the yards. If it's only two or three yards, so what? You know, it, it beats second and 12, second and 13, just because you didn't get upfield. Don't dance around. Catch the ball. Get upfield. Get some yards. Uh, but you know, Florida's got to improve in that area of the blocking as well. The blocking hasn't been great there for the wide receiver screen, so maybe that's been an emphasis uh, the last couple of weeks. But for it to be effective, Florida's got to get better in that area as well. So explosive plays, not long drives. You know, take your shots in the take your shots downfield. I don't think you're just going to be able to drop back and throw the ball down the field consistently. So it's going to be a good mixture of going vertical and going east-west on this Georgia defense. You got to keep them guessing, especially that defensive front. You know, we'll see what the Florida run game can do with these quarterbacks. Uh, the zone read, um, quarterback power run, misdirection, whatever Dan Mullen can come up with. To, maybe at least get this Georgia defense front guessing more so than they have been. You know, now if they just come in and overpower you, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But can you put some doubt in their mind early on for that to happen? Now, here's the, you know, here's the, here's the worry you know, for, for, for me in, in looking at this. And I think why we should see more Anthony Richardson, Kirby Smart has been able to own Dan Mullen with the run-first quarterback run approach style offense. Go back to 2017, a pretty good Mississippi State team, goes into Athens Athens and just gets bombarded by (laughs) Georgia's defense there. And then with a quarterback that can't necessarily hit the balls down the field consistently, we saw that with Felipe Franks uh, in, in 2018. You know, it doesn't work consistently with this against this Georgia defense. We've seen this Georgia defense being able to take advantage of in recent years. Now, I don't, you heard us talk about it or, or earlier. I don't know if it will, if it would be the same this year, but quarterbacks that can hit downfield passes, that's what hurt this Georgia defense. You know, this, if Emory Jones was to trot out there and, and play majority of the game or play the whole game, I think it plays into what Kirby Smart can defend really well and just plays into the limitations of, of Florida's offense just in general, and then pair that with what Kirby's been able to do in the past versus this style, that style of offense versus Dan Mullen and just what this defense has brought to the table so far this year. Anthony Richardson gives you the best opportunity to hit balls down the field, test the pass defense of Georgia. That's the path to victory there for the Gators. Not saying it will happen. <laughs> don't, take it to, don't take it out of context, but if Florida's going to win, I think that will be the path there. 
So there's my look on offense right there. Of course, for Georgia, going to the other side of the ball is about who plays quarterback for them as well. You heard Robbie say it sounds like maybe JT Daniels gets denied. Maybe it doesn't really matter who starts and plays for Georgia back there because of this offensive line and this Georgia ground game. Uh, because of because of that, the offense hit, hits big plays with both quarterbacks, a lot, a lot off of play action because they get that run game going. Maybe a bit more with Daniels, uh, but Stetson Bennett's been able to to um, hit those passes as well. Both quarterbacks are helped by that run game and by just staying upright. This Georgia offensive line has only given up four sacks on the season. We know Grantham's history in this game. Now, did get three sacks last season versus Georgia, but in 18 and 19, barely even touched the quarterback with only one sack combined in those games. Now, a lot's changed, of course, since 18 and 19. Offensive coordinator for Georgia, quarterback for Georgia, uh, but the offense is much better than last season. For Georgia, Stats show how far they are, just not giving up sacks for all year. Florida's been pretty good at getting to the quarterback, but not so much in the bigger games, not so much versus Georgia historically uh, since Dan Mullen's been here. So we'll see if that can change as well. So um, hasn't translated for Florida all that much, but without pressure, you know, Georgia isn't going to turn the ball over uh, with their style of play. Um, they haven't been turning the ball over much recently anyway. Stetson Bennett hasn't thrown an interception in his last three games. But that can change if Georgia starts and inserts JT Daniels. That's kind of what I was getting at with Robbie and them too. You know, the chemistry part of this of if JT Daniels is going to play and he's going to play more or you know, however Georgia decides to split it up when he's in the game. And you talked about that chemistry earlier. Would there be any adjustment time for him? He played in the first three games of the season. For the Bulldogs, he threw a pick in the first two games, uh, one versus Clemson, one versus UAB. Now, he didn't throw any in his last last game versus Vanderbilt. In his last game, that's where he went 9 of 10 for 129 yards and two touchdowns. But is there any flow? Is there any chemistry issues by putting him back into the lineup? And you heard us talk about the receivers as well. So there could be a, you know, some, some hey, look, like I'm saying, I'm trying to point out a path to victory here. I'm not saying these things are going to happen, but these are the things I'll, I'll be looking for to happen if Florida somehow comes, you know, comes up uh, on top of this game. Uh, and you know, inserting the, all these new pieces back into the Georgia offense, you know, can that lead to chemistry issues where Florida can cause tur- a turnover or some, or quarterback holds the ball a little bit longer and gets a sack, fumble, or you know, something like that? So those are things I uh, want to look out for. That goes to the quarterbacks for Georgia. But this run game for Georgia is probably where we need to be focused even more, especially after what we saw the last game versus LSU for Florida. Georgia's definitely going to come in and test this Florida run defense. Do, do we get the performance Florida had versus Alabama in and in, in for a good portion of this season in run defense? Certainly hope so. Uh, but that means elevating the level of play on defense and doing the doing the basics right. If Florida can get the basics right, they'll be much better. It's most, it's mostly basics for this Florida defense. Staying in your lane or, or getting in a lane. <laughs> uh, not rushing upfield, taking yourself out of the play. If you're on the edge, don't take yourself out of the play. Don't get upfield too much. We, and, we, and we've seen it time and time again. Be physical. Fight off your blocks. Be physical. Make a tackle. Florida needs to be able to rely on their defensive front to control this game, and for two reasons. You know, Florida's linebackers struggle to run support consistently. They struggle by trying to take on blocks, trying to shed those blocks. 
But you know, Florida needs to be better up front also so these linebackers don't have to react so hard to play action. If Florida's defensive line can get the pressure and, rely, and the linebackers can rely on that defensive line to get the pressure, they don't have to fight and bite so hard on play action. That's bothered Florida all year. Georgia's going to run a ton. Uh, and if the run game's working, if Florida bites hard in the play action, you do that, for, and Georgia's got a easy big play. Easy big play if that run game is working. So the path here, defensive line has to dominate. There is no other path here from what we've seen these teams do this season. So unless something weird happens, this has to happen. Or it's another long day coming for the Florida defense. The defensive line has to come in and control the game. Salt versus Alabama, that's the exact kind of performance Florida needs again. One more, one more aspect of this, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it is a must in this game. Get off to a better start. Get off to a faster start. Hermie discussed that earlier for AR and, and the offense and that in the path to a victory, but it, it's got to happen for the defense too. For changing this game, 10 nothing. Go back to 2018, a 10 nothing start for Georgia. 2019, another 10 nothing start for Georgia. Last season, 14 nothing. Now, Florida was able to come back in each of those games and make a game of it and then winning last season. But maybe a better start wins you the game in 2019. In 2018, Georgia was just much better. We, we, we know that. But get out to a better start in 2019, Florida can win that game. So, you know, get down in this game versus this Georgia defense. I'm not sure we want to find out if Florida can come back or not. Uh, so taking everything into account here, put it all together for a faster start. Offense, defense, you've got to get out to a faster start in this game. Put some kind of pressure on Georgia. Put some kind of pressure that they haven't faced so far this season on both sides of the ball. See how they react. The only time they've been down this season is a 3-0 Auburn lead. That's it. That's it. They haven't been able to taste their own blood. They haven't had to be down in the second half of a game or anything. Florida needs to get out to a fast start. I think it's imperative for a victory. I don't think you're coming back on this Georgia team. All that said, all that said, I, I don't like our Gators' chances here. Hoping for a victory. I'll be in the stands cheering for a Gator victory. I'll be Gator chomping all the way, but this one's going to be tough. I got a 34-17 Georgia victory here. I think AR will come in and do some nice things. I just don't think there will be enough consistent stops on defense. I think Georgia uh, will come in and be able to control the ground game enough to, they'll hit some big plays. It, this is a little like a typical Georgia game I think we've seen this year, uh, especially lately versus Auburn and, and, and Kentucky. I think it's going to look a lot like this game. I think Florida can hang first half. You'll see some nice plays uh, by Richardson. Uh, and I think, you know, going down the field, I, I think some of those plays will be there. Just nowhere near consistent. And, you know, Florida's still going to need this run game to, to help it along on offense. And I think, I think Georgia's going to stuff the, the Florida ground attack. Uh, enough to where Florida just can't get any consistent uh, enough consistency on offense. I think you'll see the explosives, but not enough. You'll see the, these explosives lead the scores, but Georgia's defense will tighten down. Uh, and it's just just the youthfulness of, uh, of Richardson. I love his playmaking ability. I think he'll make some plays. I think he'll make the unscripted play here and there, but I don't think uh, enough uh, for to upset this Georgia team, this Georgia defense. So thirty four seventeen Georgia. 
that's a dagger, a dagger in my heart. No, Ugh. it hurts to say, it hurts to say. But of course, hoping, hoping, Gators come out Saturday night. You can sit there and shout out me on Twitter and tell me how wrong I am. I'll take it. You can sit here on Sunday when we do our review, and I'll be as happy as I can be as you're telling me I was wrong. I, I hope that happens. I completely hope that happens. Uh, but just kind of just going by what we've seen so far, that's what we that's what we can go by. You know, if you pick it upset, there's not really a reason to pick it just besides the fact that you want it to happen or um, you know, there's not really a path for it. So a lot of it's just a, a lot of hope out there. But upsets happen. And that's just kind of where we're at going into this game. All right, 34-17, that's my final score, my prediction for Georgia up uh, beating Florida. Take a look around the SEC right quick, light slate, before we sign off here on Gators Breakdown. Missouri Vanderbilt at 3 o'clock. You know, no noon games since the slate is light there. So uh, no games till 3 o'clock. Missouri Vanderbilt SEC Network at 3, 3.30, of course. Florida, Georgia, in Jacksonville on CBS. Uh, another good game at night. Here we go. Old Miss, Auburn. Really, really good game there. So, whether you're leaving the stadium, you can get home in time, maybe see the second half of that game, or if you're watching on TV, you'll be able to flip it over from Florida, Georgia, and catch Old Miss and Auburn. That should be a very, very entertaining game there. And then also at 7 o'clock, Kentucky, Mississippi State also has the potential to be a pretty fun game. Uh, Kentucky with a week off last week, coming off their first loss of the season to Georgia a couple weeks ago, um, going to Starkville, taking on Mississippi State. We'll see if we can get some good, uh, some more good candy quotes there from Mike Leach <laughs> after the game versus Kentucky. So, all right, there's your SEC slate this week. As I said, very light, only four games by weeks coming into play uh, right now uh, during this portion of the season. So, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here on Gators Breakdown, previewing Florida, Georgia. I know it's tough right now uh, going into this game with this kind of outlook, but you got to go play the game, you know, and not, not, not much football left uh, this season. So, you know, we'll try to enjoy the football aspect of it, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, we can talk about a Gator victory. Big upset for the Gators next week. Hopefully that's the case. So that'll do it. I am the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.